We're going to dive into God's Word in the time that we have remaining this morning. And we're continuing in our series of Wisdom for Life. Wisdom for Life. And if you've been around over the last couple of months, really, we've been in uh, this series and just unpacking it week by week. And there's been so much uh, feedback. It's been interesting as people have come up and said, this week really spoke to me or that week really spoke to me, depending on what it was that we were journeying um, through. And really... What we've been doing throughout this series, pretty simple, is taking God's word, which we know is God's wisdom, and looking at how to handle everyday situations in life. Because God's word is your testimony, God's word is the story of history, but it also is very much wisdom for how to handle things that you face every single day. And so in this series, we've looked at a number of things, having talked about how to read the word and apply the word, because God's word can be wisdom to you, but unless you read it and apply it, it's not going to do a whole lot of good. We talked about how to read God's word, how to apply God's word, and then we've begun to look at everyday situations. We've talked about how to handle uh, our emotions last week, how to handle disappointment, how to handle uh, conflict, that got a lot of response how to make wise decisions. And all these messages are available for you to catch up on uh, via our website, family.church forward slash listen. You can hear all the messages that you may have missed. But today I want to um, talk about a specific subject. I want to talk today about handling temptation. Handling temptation. You know, it's funny that the Holy Spirit would have me share on uh, shame and the lifting of shame. And I, I believe that that's by no accident because the Holy Spirit firstly never does anything by accident. But secondly, because if God's setting you free from shame, you better believe that the minute you walk out of this door, the enemy will try and come back in and bring temptation your way. And so I believe this is going to be very practical for us having minister, been ministered to uh, by God. So handling temptation or rather defeating temptation defeating temptation and just as we've looked at every single uh, subject in this series this is something that again we all face because the truth is every single day you and I face temptation what is a temptation the dictionary defines it this way something that seduces you a desire to have or do something that you know you should avoid and the truth is every single day of our lives, there is a temptation within us, a temptation that comes calling to maybe say something or do something or look at something or accept something or engineer something. The list, sadly, is endless of things that come our way every single day. So just this past week, you may have been tempted to, I don't know, cut corners financially. You may have been tempted in the area of your finances. This is the, the time of tax season and tax returns. You may be filling one in and you may have been tempted to cut corners. You may have been tempted to overspend when you know you really can't and the budget doesn't allow it, but everybody else has got this new thing, so you want it as well, and you've been tempted to overspend. For others, you may have been tempted to gossip, to run someone down in the office in order to make yourself look better amongst your work colleagues. You may have been tempted to succumb to pride, which leads to so much like unforgiveness and uh, resentment and anger and stubbornness. You may have been tempted to lie at home, in school, in college, in the workplace. Oh, it's just one little lie that leads to another, to another. You may have been tempted sexually to indulge in lust or pornography. You may, may have been tempted to overeat, to overdrink, to overindulge in order to escape the pressures 
of everyday life. You may have been tempted to lash out in anger with your words or with your actions. And there was within you when somebody did that to you in the workplace or at home or wherever you may have been, you may have been tempted to just respond in the way you actually really wanted to first off. You may have been tempted to respond. You see, every day in one form or another, temptation will come knocking at the door of your life. Now, the world's response to temptation, of course, is just this. Just do whatever you want. Right? We talked about it last week when we talked about how to handle our emotions. But we are living in a very feelings-led world. But if it feels good, just go ahead and do it. Do what you want, how you want, with whoever you want. Just go ahead and just do whatever you feel like doing. And so the world would say, go on, you only live once. Just give in to every temptation that lies before you. And yet, if you've ever done that, you'll know, as a child of God, the brokenness that can follow, the guilt that can follow, the chaos that can follow, the condemnation you might experience, because as we've taught many times before, Satan will always set you up with temptation and then knock you down with condemnation. That's his cycle. He'll set you up with temptation, go on, it's going to be good, and he'll knock you down with condemnation the other side. You see, temptation is a road for every single one of us on planet Earth today are walking along. Yet it's not one as children of God that we want to remain on or, or dabble with or play around with. And again, God's wisdom has a lot to say on this subject. Now, before we head to God's wisdom, and we're heading there in just a moment, some practical teaching, it's important for us to understand, just as we said last week, that God is an emotional being. And so we talked about emotion. We said, actually, God, first and foremost, is emotional. He's made us in his image. It's important to understand that God understands when we talk about temptation. Because Jesus himself, when he walked the face of planet Earth, was tempted in every single way. Some people don't acknowledge that. They say because he never sinned, surely he was never really tempted. But that's not what the Bible says. Listen to what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, 14 to 15. Hebrews 4, 14 to 15. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Now listen to this. For we do not have a high priest in Jesus who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as you and I are. Yet he did not sin. So the Bible makes it clear, I just want to teach on this for a moment, that Jesus experienced every temptation. So when you go before God in, in, in prayer and you say, Jesus, you don't understand. If you fa- no, no, Jesus understands every temptation that you have lived, that you've experienced. And yet he chose not to succumb to that temptation because he needed to live a sinless life. Amen? We've got to understand that Jesus had to overcome temptation and had to overcome every sin because he had to be the perfect lamb when he was sacrificed upon the cross. Now let me just quickly touch on that time doesn't allow us to go into detail on it but we know if you understand the old covenant the old testament the law if you read the old testament you'll see that every time somebody messed up before god every time there was a sin problem they had to be made right with god through a sacrifice and again time doesn't allow you can read it they sacrificed different animals and one of the animals that they sacrificed was a lamb as has often been said i'm so thankful i'm not an old testament uh, priest but i'm a new covenant uh, priest and and leader of god's people because they continually were sacrificing animals that would make them right temporarily before god but it would only ever cover 
the sin of mankind. Jesus Christ, we know, the Bible says, was the perfect Lamb of God, amen? Who didn't just cover sin temporarily, but he removed it once and for all. John 1, 29, stick with me because we're headed somewhere with this. So the next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Why do we sing, what a beautiful name? Why is it that we worship Jesus? Because Jesus was tempted in every single way, financially. He was tempted emotionally. He was tempted sexually. He was tempted to lie. All these things came his way and so on and so on. Yet he refused to give in to temptation. Why? In order that you and I could experience new life. In order that you and I could be set free. In order that you and I could be forgiven. In order that you and I could live a victorious life over sin and death and temptation. Washed clean and set free. Jesus experienced temptation. Now that same Jesus, one day when he was teaching on prayer, the disciples came to him and they said, teach us how to pray. He taught them this prayer which was actually a teaching he taught them the lord's prayer we all know the lord's prayer probably even if you've walked into church for the very first time this morning you had to say it in assembly and you recited it and all that kind of stuff so we know the lord's prayer and within that prayer jesus made this statement lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil i want you to understand today god can empower you to be free from the evil one God can set you free from every bit of sin and condemnation and every single bit of hold that the enemy has over your life today. We're going to look at that truth this morning. That using God's wisdom and empowered by the Holy Spirit, we can defeat temptation. Now why does this matter? Because for some of you, you've walked into this place this morning feeling trapped feeling tempted in every single way, you're tired, you're defeated, you feel like the enemy is constantly going to have you in this loop of sin and condemnation over and over again. You feel powerless to overcome. And I pray that today you would leave this place knowing that in Christ you are victorious. Amen? You are victorious. You already are. And God can help you to defeat temptation. You say, well, well does it really matter because God forgives me anyway? Listen, when you sin, and we all sin, right? Okay, apparently it's just me. When I sin, because all of you are just so perfect, but when I sin, forgive me for just sharing my story for a moment, when I sin, I know that my God is faithful to forgive. Everyone agree that God is faithful to forgive me when I sin because you are perfect. So when I sin, God is faithful to forgive me. But I also know this, that none of us want to be stuck in this place where our fellowship with God is interrupted where our fellowship with God is contaminated all the time, where we keep having to come back to, okay, God, I'll start and start again. No, we want to be living a life of victory that the Bible speaks of, where we go from strength to strength to strength, experiences freedom and ex helping other people to experience that freedom too. In other words, we don't just want deliverance for our past. We want protection and victory in our future. You don't just want to be set free, you want to be living a victorious life. There's a difference between just being forgiven and then staying here and actually walking the life of victory that God has called us to live. Jesus said, lead us not into temptation. Now understand, that's not God tempting you, okay? When he prayed that prayer, he's not saying, God, will you stop tempting me? Because some people believe that, but actually God is the one who will tempt you 
in order to see whether you pass these tests. No, no, listen, listen to what the Bible says. Not my opinion, my viewpoint, biblical truth. James 1 verse 13 says, Remember when you are being tempted. Notice it doesn't say if. It says when. When you are being tempted. And you're obviously already victorious over this because none of you sin. But when you are being tempted, don't say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else. So for people who say, oh, God is the one tempting me, then they've obviously omitted or ripped out James chapter 1, verse 13 out of their Bible. God doesn't tempt us, Satan does. Satan is the author of temptation. Read Genesis chapter 3, 1 to 6 if you want to see the loop that he'll keep us in. And he'll deceive us that we need something when we don't. It's the same trick that he's used all along. So God doesn't tempt us. Instead, he strengthens us by his spirit and he equips us with his wisdom to defeat temptation. Okay, having laid that platform, let's look at some wisdom this morning from God's word about how to handle temptation and how to defeat temptation. The first thing is this. Know the enemy's strategy. If you're going to defeat temptation, you need to know the enemy's strategy. Listen, too many Christians today are living life without this understanding that the enemy of your soul is depraved and wicked and won't stop at nothing to ruin you. Too many Christians are living life seeing a, a two-dimensional world and thinking that's all there is to it. Listen, there is a spiritual battle that is taking place every single day that you breathe and live and go to work and do all that kind of stuff. There is a spiritual battle over your life. How many people know that this morning? Now that doesn't mean that we have to get weird. Suddenly you, you start speaking about spiritual warfare, spiritual things, and people turn so strange and so... No, no, just keep being normal if you are normal. Keep being normal, but understand that there is a spiritual battle that's taking place. So we don't get weird, neither do we live in fear. Because the enemy is defeated, and you already are victorious in Christ, amen? So we don't live in fear, we don't get weird, but we are called to live with soberness. We are called to pray. I don't just mean grace before you eat your dinner. We're called to pray, to do spiritual battle. We are called to be a praying people. We're called to be alert that the enemy wants marriages broken. If you're married here today, let me tell you, the enemy wants your marriage broken. The enemy wants families wrecked. The enemy wants people stuck in addictive cycles. The enemy wants to shut down ministry. He wants to shut this church down. That's why when disunity breaks out, it's no surprise because the enemy wants to shut down every God-given ministry. He wants people riddled with condemnation. He wants you sick, broken, and depressed. Now that's the bad news. Here's the good news. We don't need to live in fear of it. But we do need to live wise and we do have to be alert to the strategy he uses. Because contrary to what the enemy wants you to believe, sin doesn't just happen. I've spoken with so many uh, people who have ended up in this place and we're just working through something and they say, I don't know how this happened. I just ended up in this situation. No, sin doesn't just happen or appear at your door. There's a strategy that the enemy uses. Now let me just look at some verses with you this morning. James chapter 1, verse 14. Let's turn there just for a moment. James chapter 1, verse 14 to 15. I want you to see something today. Temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, 
And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So let's just camp here just for a moment. James is teaching here, there's a journey from temptation to sin. Now I want to put up this, this graphic on the screen for a moment. And some of you may remember, we used this graphic a number of years ago when we talked about um, sin and how sin works in our lives. And I want us to just to briefly look at it again this morning. Because we need to understand there's a journey. That every sin begins with a thought. Every temptation comes in the thought of, of your thought life. And so that thought is, I could. Right? With, with Adam and Eve, there was a moment where temptation came their way. And they thought, we could. We could do this. David and Bathsheba, the affair that ruined everything. There was a moment where the Bible says he saw a woman of unusual beauty taken above and he looked and he thought, I could. If you think, what on earth is that about? 2 Samuel chapter 11, a great example of this exact thing outworking itself. 2 Samuel chapter 11. Now, if you don't deal with that thought or that temptation, it becomes desire. So a thought comes into your, your, your thought life. I could. If you don't deal with that thought, it becomes, I want. I want. Suddenly it becomes desire. David, in that moment, goes from I could to I want. This is how the journey continues. That desire can turn into intention. I will. So you go from a, a thought landing in your mind, suddenly to actually, I, I want that for my life, to, to this is how I'm going to outwork it. I, I, I will. And David begins to plan his sin. Going back to what I said financially, sometimes you think, I, I could get away with this. I could do this. And all of a sudden, you're thinking, I want to do this. And, and this is how I'm going to do it in order that I can be in a place where I've got more finances. or what You can use this example for everything, that it begins and there's a journey to it, and that intention turns into action, into the sin. You begin to gossip. You're lying. There's lust. There's adultery. There's greed. There's jealousy. And when that sin is outworked, that sin leads to so much death and destruction and the breaking down of so much in our lives. So every temptation in your life starts with a thought. Here's the reality. You can't do anything about those thoughts coming into your mind, but you can do something about when they arrive. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Paul says, when those thoughts come, as they invariably will, we have a choice. Are we going to let them germinate? Are we going to let this, this journey that we looked at a moment ago begin to unravel in our lives? Or are we going to take authority and say, no, I'm not allowing the seed of temptation to remain and to grow in my life. See, I'm trying to get across to you today that temptation will come. That is a fact. There's nothing we can do about that. But God can help you to defeat that temptation to the degree where Paul says in Romans chapter 6 that sin is actually now a choice. He says that's why we reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive in Christ. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are slaves to righteousness. Amen? Know that you have an enemy and know that he has a strategy. Here's a second bit of wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. <laughs> Fairly simple. This thought has been threaded throughout the entire series that we've been looking at, as it would do if you're looking at a series on the wisdom of God. Ask God for wisdom, James 1 verse 5, we've looked at this verse a couple of times. If you need wisdom, ask God, generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you 
for asking. So when it comes to handling temptation, God wants you to ask for his wisdom, and when you do, he will give it to you. You know, when we ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom, when we pray each day, Holy Spirit, would you help me to overcome this or that in my life today? Would you help me to not be in the wrong place at the wrong time? Would you help me to, to have that self-control that you've placed within me? It's amazing how sensitive you'll become to the dangers of sin. Because the Holy Spirit will act like an alarm clock in your life, keeping you away, putting wisdom in your life. For example, if your vice is alcohol, wisdom will keep you from walking a certain way home past an off-license. Come on, let's look at the realities of... Because we can make this so spiritual in a sense that we think spiritual is weird. Or The Holy Spirit will teach you. The Holy Spirit will lead you. If you have a, a problem with alcohol, the Holy Spirit will say it's not a good idea to go to this event or to that event because the, the wine is going to be flowing, whatever it might be. If it's anger, the Holy Spirit will say, walk away from this conversation. He'll put safeguards in place. He'll teach you how to confront, as we looked at earlier in this series. If your issue is lust, it'll be like an alarm clock going off in your life. Go to bed, don't stay up. Don't flick through the channels. Don't go there. You don't want to go where this is going to lead. If it's gossip or jealousy or revenge, you'll be on social media. Here's our favorite topic throughout the series. You'll be on social media and your thumb will be hovering or your fingers will be... Actually, for me, it's just two fingers if you're typing on the keyboard. Your two fingers, unless you're very well trained, it'll be all ten, will be there hovering, ready to say, well, let me give them a piece of my mind. And the Holy Spirit will say, don't do that. Put the phone down, go put on the kettle, because this is not going to end well. If you're in the workplace, don't send that email, step away, and wisdom will help you to not go down the journey. Wisdom will help you with temptation. So ask God for wisdom. Here's another bit of wisdom. Be accountable. James 5 verse 16, Therefore confess your sins to one another, your full steps, your offenses, and pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. Now, in today's world, accountability is seen as a very negative thing. We live in a very unaccountable world, whether that's people in power or whether that's people on the ground. But we've got to understand that accountability is a gift from God. That done correctly can help you to live in freedom and strength in the way God would have you live. We've looked already in this series about wise counsel when it comes to decision-making and things like that. But what about when it comes to defeating temptation? Listen, there is strength in accountability. When you choose to isolate yourself, you are placing yourself in an area of danger. But when you build accountable relationships, you build a wall of protection around your life. Listen to these verses. Again, well-known verses, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12. Two people are better off than one, than one for they can help each other succeed if one person falls the other can reach out and help but someone who falls alone is in real trouble likewise two people lying close together can keep each other warm but how can one be warm alone a person listen to this a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated but two who stand back to back will conquer three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken now, so often people reduce this to simply being a verse that we read out at weddings, and there's a context of that as well. But we're going to understand this is a great picture of accountability. 
that we need people, I need people, you need people who are journeying with us, who will be there to support us, to pray for us and with us, who will keep us accountable, who will keep us strong, who will keep us from being defeated. That's why connect groups are so important. Any opportunity to plug connect groups? That's why connect groups are so important. But seriously, let, let me tell you, when it comes to connect groups, they're not there just to take up more of your time. Okay? It's not like, we're, how can we take more time from them? Connect groups, great idea. Ian and Helen don't talk to you about connect groups because they have nothing else to talk about. I mean, Ian will talk about lamppost, anything. I mean, you get him going. He's not like some specialist. He just worked in a pub, so he knows how to talk to a lot of people. I've dug myself in a hole. Let's go this direction. Okay. <laughs> They'll talk to you about anything. But the reason they talk to you about connect groups is because they understand the power of accountable relationships, of being in fellowship with one another, of cheering one another on. So the first stage for some may be to pray, God, help me to find some people. Help me to link in with a connect group. Help me to find somebody that I can be real with. And again, like we've said in this, that doesn't mean after a tea and coffee you go around telling everybody, well, I struggled with this this week. What do you think? Oh, that person just said. We have accountable relationships that we know and we trust and we can journey with. Here's another bit of wisdom. Wear God's armor. Wear God's armor. You say, what on earth are you going on about? Ephesians chapter 6. Just turn there for a moment. Paul writes that God has given us everything we need, that we have the armor of God to not only protect us, but enable us to move forward and take ground. Ephesians 6, 10 to 18 says this, A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Again, what I was just saying a moment ago, what we're seeing is not all that there is to life. There is spiritual forces around your life. Again, it doesn't mean we get weird, but it does mean we live with an alert, alertness and a soberness to it. Now listen to this. It says, so because of all of that, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up a shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Now we're not going to dig into this this morning because of time, but here's what I want to encourage you to do. If you have never really looked into this passage of Scripture, over lockdown, we did a four-part teaching series, a Bible study, through these verses on a Sunday night. And those are available to you. If you go to our YouTube channel, FC Space Live, FC Space Live, and go to the Haven't playlist, there are four weeks that Mark Ward and myself did on the armor of God and looking at every aspect of this. So I want you to have that grounding. But here's what I want you to do on a practical level. And don't do this just because I've said it. Don't do this superstitiously. Don't do this just because it becomes this repetitive habit. But I want you, if you are in a place where you say, God, I just need strength. I want you each morning to begin to read these verses. It'll take you three minutes. Three minutes before you get out of bed. Three minutes as, uh, as you're making your coffee. Three minutes 
as you're driving to work, three minutes, well, don't read it, but hear it, three minutes, wherever you might be, three minutes, and as you're doing that, I want you to spiritually picture that you are getting ready for the day ahead, that you are arming yourself with the armour of God. And again, look at each facet by looking at the series that we taught on this. But you have that moment where you're spiritually getting ready for the day. So you know what? The Holy Spirit will remind you when the enemy comes and attacks you. you, You're wearing the armor. And not just I'm wearing the armor, but you know how to specifically use that armor to counteract every attack of the enemy upon your life. Final thought. We'll end with this. If we want God's wisdom for how to defeat temptation, it actually all starts with this. Rely on God's strength and not your own. By now, life has probably taught you you can't do this by yourself. You can't defeat temptation by yourself. You may, if you are struggling and you say, I just want to be free from whatever it is, if you try in your own strength, you'll never succeed. You may have tried every diet going and you find yourself back at square one. The Holy Spirit can empower you. You may have tried to stop lying every time you walk into a place. You find yourself just, just speaking words. You're like, oh, exaggerating, lying, engineering stuff in the workplace in order to get ahead. You can't do it in your own strength. That's why God has given us the Holy Spirit to enable us to live this new life in power. If you're addicted, there are programs, and I'm not talking against those things, but the Holy Spirit is the one who truly sets you free. That you would be free indeed. And so life has taught you that you can't do it in your own strength. But here's the good news. We have a God who understands. We don't have a God who's looking down at you today, angry with you. He's a God who understands. Jesus, it says this about him in Hebrews 2, 2 verse 17 to 18. It says, for this reason he made us, he was made to be like them, us, fully human in every way. In order that we might, he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. Listen to what it says in the next verse. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus understands your temptation. Jesus understands your pain and he can help you today. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12 to 13. If you, are, if you think you are standing strong, I can do this by myself. I can do this. I've got this covered. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. Can I get an amen? God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can, than you can stand. When you are tempted, again, not if, when you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. God understands. God is faithful, but far more important than that, he empowers you to win. See, here's the power of the gospel. The first Adam, the beginning of time, the first Adam stood and he encountered temptation. And in his own strength, he tried to overcome and didn't last too long. He just succumbed to that temptation. We know the wickedness that came into the earth, the fall of mankind and all the chaos that has been outworking itself since then but the good news of the gospel is Jesus Christ the last Adam Paul writes in the book of Romans the last Adam he came 
in the power of the Holy Spirit and he defeated every temptation. He overcame every sin. He defeated death. He defeated sin so that you could live a life of victory today. And I just believe that as the Holy Spirit today has wanted to set people free from shame. He wants to build you up to a place where that shame never returns because you see the blood of Jesus upon your life where you walk with freedom but you also go from strength to strength to strength to strength defeating every temptation that is ruining your marriage that is ruining your experience of work that is ruining your health that is ruining your finance whatever it might be every temptation that the enemy is trapping you with God wants to set you free from and God's wisdom shows us today we can defeat temptation in his strength when we recognize the enemy's strategy when we ask God for wisdom when we choose to be accountable when we wear the armor of God and recognize its power and most importantly when we rely on God's strength and not our own just close your eyes in this place this morning time's gone but I just want to end by praying for you in this place today firstly if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ or you've been away from him and so much has gone in the way and you know you want to come home today but I want to pray a prayer over your life and at the end I want you at the end of the service to head to the back and the team will show you uh, two people Mark and Glennis who want to just help you in your journey if that's you this morning maybe for the very first time or maybe you're coming back to God let me just pray for you this morning Holy Spirit I thank you for Jesus I thank you for his death his burial his resurrection I thank you that because of Jesus we can experience new life Lord I just thank you for anybody here today who is placing their faith in Jesus Christ for the very first time or saying I need to come home I need to come back to God and to his forgiveness Father I just thank you for grace upon their life Lord I thank you for courage that would enable them to go up and start a conversation with Mark and Glennis and say I just need some help I just given my life to Jesus so I'm coming home Lord I thank you that you will surround them with great people who will just speak life into their journey and help them on their journey Lord, just as we close, I just want to pray for each and every single person battling with temptation in their life, battling with sin and shame and condemnation and all the things that the enemy would want them under the the grip of. Lord, we thank you for freedom. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for a new day. We thank you that through your Holy Spirit, we have the power to overcome. And through your wisdom, you have given us all the tools that we need. So Lord, we thank you just like the woman caught in adultery who experienced your compassion and your grace. Lord, I thank you for people stepping up, walking free, but never to return to what has held them before. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you go beyond this service, beyond these words, beyond this message. And throughout the week, you continue to minister to your people and continue to empower them for the week months and the years ahead in Jesus name we pray amen amen come on if you've been set free give God a shout of praise this morning for his goodness and his mercy